really encourage you to uh, be in prayer this week for, uh, for, for these gospel partners and leaders and for kids. Um, a lot of things can go right at Vacation Bible School this week. A lot of things can be amazing. Let's pray for those things to happen. Um, really encourage you to be in prayer. Now, this morning, we're going to turn to Colossians 3. We're going to study verses 16 and 17 together. So that's the passage that I'm going to read for us. Let me just remind you, this is God's Word. It's inspired. It's an errand. It's infallible. It's our only rule for faith and practice. So let's give our full attention to it. Colossians 3, verses 16 and 17. Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let's spend just a minute in prayer before we study this passage. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, help us. Send your Holy Spirit, the guide. Send your Holy Spirit, Jesus, to, to guide us into all truth. Take from this your word, the things that are true about you, and make them real to us. For I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Many years ago, there was a man named Brother Lawrence. He was a monk. He, he wasn't even a particularly great monk. He, he wasn't a megachurch monk. He wasn't even in charge of the monastery. But he set a goal in his life of practicing the presence of God in everything that he did. And so now, many, many, many years later, millions of people have been encouraged by book that he wrote called Practicing the Presence of God. But you know, at the end of his life, Brother Lawrence was on his deathbed, and he was surrounded by his monk friends. And they, uh, Brother Lawrence said to his friends these words, I'm not dying. I'm just doing what I've been doing for the past 40 years and doing what I expect to be doing for all eternity. What's that, they asked. Worshiping the God I love. Brothers and sisters, all of you are worshipers. You were made uniquely by God and His image to worship and glorify Him. That is the purpose for which you were created. You can know and live in response to, to God's revelation of himself. He made you to know him. We're going to look this morning at the subject of worship. You can know as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, you can know the purpose for which you were made. Not only that, having found the answer to the biggest why of all in your life, you can know the why for everything in your life. And listen, it's so important that you understand the why of worship. Because if your heart 
is toenailed to anything other than Jesus, it will let you down. Listen, if you, if you toenail your heart to youth, eventually you're going to grow older. It seems to be happening to all my friends. If you toenail your heart to health, eventually you may get a prognosis that you won't know how to deal with. If you toenail your heart in worship of work and you lose your job, what will you do? You'll be devastated. If you toenail your heart to having well-behaved, well-performing children, and they don't turn out exactly the way you wish they would, you'll be crushed. But if you toenail your heart to Jesus, then you can face anything in life, and you can be confident that the person you've toenailed your heart to in this life will give you the privilege of worshiping Him, not only in this life, but also in the life to come. And when you toenail your heart to Jesus and make the worship of Jesus the big why in all of life, then you will have the unbelievable privilege of being sent in Jesus' name everywhere you go to gossip the gospel in worship by becoming the kind of person who's able to live an eternal kind of life in worship and honor to God. Many years ago, I heard John Piper say these words, and it changed my life forever. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Here's his full quote from his sermon. Therefore, worship is the goal. Missions, uh, the mission, <laughs> therefore, worship is the goal and the fuel of missions. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions is our way of saying the joy of knowing Christ is not a private or tribal or national or ethnic privilege. It is for all. And that's why we go, because we've tasted the joy of worshiping Jesus, and we want all the families of the earth included. Psalm twenty-two twenty-seven says, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. Seeking the worship of the nations is fueled by the joy of our own worship. You cannot commend what you don't cherish. You can't proclaim what you don't prize. Worship is the fuel and the goal of missions. The ultimate why of all of whether you go across the street or across the earth to tell another person about Jesus is because your heart has been captured by his love. Dave Ackerman exists on this earth and will exist for all eternity to make a big deal about Jesus. Good News Church in the World Golf Village exists 
on this earth for this time to make a big deal about Jesus. That's our why. Because worship of Jesus is the one thing that will last a lifetime and extend into eternity. You won't take anything else with you. But people and praise are forever. And the glory of the nations and the greatness of Jesus is the one thing worth giving everything for. So let's look at this passage and let's learn from this passage a definition of worship, the direction of our worship, and how worship can be cultivated in the heart of every single one of us. A definition of worship, how worship is to be directed, and how we can begin to cherish Jesus above all things. How we can begin to cultivate a lifestyle of worship. So what's the definition? We're going to define worship this way. Worship is our loving response to God as he's revealed himself in creation, in the Bible, and in Jesus Christ. Worship is God, our loving response to God as he's revealed himself. See, God reveals himself to us. Religion is man seeking after God through ritual or rite or superstition or sacrifice. Religion is man seeking after God. And the only problem with that is that dead people don't seek. And the Bible teaches that we're all dead in our trespasses and sins. But God... Christianity, the Bible, teaches from cover to cover that God seeks us. He seeks worshipers. He meets his dead rebels. And he makes us alive and turns rebels into worshipers. God seeks worshipers. God seeks worshipers and he makes himself known to us through creation Psalm 19 says the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. God is seeking worshipers and he's revealed himself in creation all day and all night, the heavens are declaring that there is a God and we owe him worship. God has revealed himself in the word, his, his word, the Bible. It's his word to us. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. All through the story of the Bible, God is revealing himself to man and saying, Come, come to me, worship me, honor me, glorify me, take me as your God. And all through the Bible is the story of God seeking worshipers and promising that though we are sinful and he is holy, 
through the work of our substitute, through the work of our Redeemer, God will make a way for sinners, for lost rebels to be brought back into relationship with Him forever and be able to honor Him, glorify Him, serve Him, love Him, worship Him. And the way he has revealed that salvation is through his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1 verse 2, in these last days he's spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So worship is defined by God. And God defines worship by seeking us, seeking us in creation, revealing himself to us as the great, glorious God who made all things, seeking us in his word, the story of of his relationship with people all throughout history, and finally, seeking us through Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior. God is seeking worshipers. He defines worship and his word, his word directs worship. God's word is our directory for worship. God's word tells us how we are to worship. In Colossians chapter 3, God's word speaks to us and it tells us that we together as a worshiping community are to be about Three things in this passage, God is directing our worship, telling us we're to be teaching, admonishing, and singing. Yes, singing. We're to be teaching, admonishing, and singing. Teaching. Teaching is far more than just passing on information. In our corporate worship, directed by the Word of God, we teach one another not only by receiving information from God's Word, but by modeling a life of a follower of Jesus. So, for example, when we come together to worship, God's Word tells us it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when we come together for worship, we give. We give financially to the local church, modeling what it means for the gospel to have come into our life, and we get to give in obedience to Scripture, for God says it's more blessed to give than to receive. We give because we're becoming the gospel. We're becoming like Jesus. We're modeling for one another when we give. Now, if you give online, that's fine. Give online. It's better for you that way? Great. But sometimes it's good that when the plate is passed, you have something to give, to model for those around us, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. When we gather together in corporate worship, we're modeling for one another in the teaching of God's word together in worship. We're admonishing Admonishing goes beyond teaching and takes the gospel and presses it down into our heart and life so that Jesus becomes real to us. Is there ever a time in the worship 
the corporate worship, the public worship of God's people, when your heart is just stirred by the greatness and glory of Jesus? Is it ever blow you away that God would seek you and save you and give you the gift of eternal life? Does it ever thrill your heart? Does it ever put a grin on your face that Jesus Christ loved you and gave himself for you? Has the gospel gone from your head to your heart? To be admonished, to be admonished means that the gospel is being pressed down, moved down further and further into our hearts so that we have hearts full of Jesus. And then singing, singing to one another. And, and in this passage, the word sing is the word ode. We, we, it comes right into our, our English language as ode. Like Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, Ode to Joy. So many songs in our hymnal are set to that, that particular song, Ode to Joy by Beethoven. Ode is a song sung to Jesus, sung about Jesus, sung for Jesus. And the Bible directs us to sing and teach and admonish one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. He's given us the, the song book of the Bible, the book of Psalms. And he's given us hymns. Some are in the Bible, but others are, are hymns written by men to exalt and glorify the greatness of God's works in creation and redemption and the coming glory that lies ahead of us. Hymns like, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And some are spiritual songs. Spiritual songs that tell the story of God's saving work that we've experienced together. Songs like Amazing Grace by uh, John Newton. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. That's a spiritual song. A song that tells the story of a person saved by grace. When we sing and teach and admonish one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Jesus becomes more real to us. Our story gets told again and again and again. And our hearts are thrilled and our faces grin with delight at what God's done for us. So God defines worship. Worship is our loving response to God as he's revealed himself in creation and in his word and in Jesus Christ. And God's word directs us in worship. Now at Good News Church, I'm so thankful to have an amazing team of people that help us in our corporate worship make a big deal about Jesus. So I asked Dylan to come on stage with me during this morning's message, and I want you to hear a little bit from him as our director of our worship director, and uh, so Dylan, thank you for all you do. So, tell us what drew you into worship leading. It's actually kind of funny because uh, if you know me, I'm a very, very stubborn person. 
once you really get to know me. I'm intensely stubborn. You can ask Pam. Um, so I was kind of dragged kicking and screaming into worship every step of the way from being voluntold in high school that I was going to lead the youth group worship band to uh, Ed Taylor, the worship director at the other campus, basically making me finally say uncle and play bass on stage. That's all I would agree to do. And then him gradually pushing me forward and forward um, to taking up the mantle from Ella. And before I know it, I'm, yeah, I'm up here almost every week and, and running, the, running the thing. But um, the thing I'd noticed, though, is with every step of the way, as God was pulling me in, pulling me in, each new step, I fell more and more in love with the musical expression of worship. And uh, it, it's just become something that uh, I shake my head and I'm like, man, why was I doing the whole Jonah thing with this and running and mm -hmm. running? And God's like, nope, 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 this way. Um, it's just, yeah, I should have just listened from the, from the get-go. Amen. So every week there's some songs that we sing. Now, how do you choose those songs? Um, choosing the songs is actually one of my favorite parts of the week. We, ha we have a list of, of approved songs that we've kind of screened for um, theological accuracy, biblical accuracy. Um, and so I get to sit in the scripture for the week and really spend this special time with the Lord meditating on it. And often I get to bring in um, some of the other worship leaders on it too. And that's always special and they contribute in amazing ways. Um, especially some weeks I just hit a wall and I'm like, I don't know. And then I'm like, you know what? And then we reach out and then they just come with the perfect thing. God just gives it to them. Mm -hmm. um, and so oftentimes I find that, you know, Dave and I haven't communicated about specific parts of the sermon. A lot of times we're just both working off of the same scripture and the Holy Spirit shows up time and time again where mm -hmm. sometimes the song perfectly highlights something that that Dave is going to talk about, and I'm like, oh, praise God, because that's one of the things, as I'm meditating on the scripture, that I'm like, Lord, how can this, how can the songs this week highlight the scripture that's going to be brought, really help it sink deep into people's hearts, but then also, Lord, how can, how can we make the name of Jesus famous this mm -hmm. week in worship, and it's amazing the ways that he shows up. Yeah, so uh, we have a team, we have a congregation, so how do you view the team, the congregation, and our roles on a Sunday morning? Uh, I think it's easy to see a separation between the people that are up here and, and down there, and it's easy to sink into this mode of, oh, yeah, it's a show. They sounded good this morning, or they didn't sound good this morning, whatever, and you just, you know, all right, that was neat. Let's go. But really, the whole worship team, even from the tech booth to, to the people on the back row, they, they are the worship leaders. Um, the whole team is really leading. The congregation, you are the worship team. Uh, one of my favorite events in Scripture is the dedication of Solomon's temple. They have this big ceremony. The Levites are up there playing music as the Spirit of the Lord comes down and fills the temple. And the people's immediate response, it says they all lift their voice. The whole assembly of Israel mm. lift their voice with one voice. And that, that to me, is powerful. So the Levites were leading it, but the entire assembly are the worshipers, the, the mm -hmm. team that's bringing, bringing praise. Amen. Hey, what is your favorite part? of public worship on Sunday morning? Um, honestly, what I was just saying right there, hearing people lifting their voice as one to the Lord. I can think back to uh, the Passion Conference back in 2013. I'd been a, a major knucklehead <laughs> leading up to this, and and God had been chasing me down as, as usual. And um, I went this whole incredible worship conference 
really not enjoying myself, being resistant to, to everything. In the last worship session of the last day, I feel like God finally got through to me. And the way he got through to me, he was just like, listen. Mm-hmm. And hearing 60,000 people just all raising their voices as in this one giant, like, like tumult of praise. <laughs> and uh, I think something just finally broke in me in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and it, I remember the song, too. And the, the, the exact line was that you stand alone, I stand amazed. And so here's mm-hmm. 60,000 people just screaming that out. It was beautiful. And so whether it's in a small group or in a, in a big room, at a conference or, or here, it's just the sound of, of the people of God lifting their voice. It's, it's a picture of the throne room to me. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're going to turn a corner in the message this morning, and we're going to move from worship defined and worship directed to how do we cultivate a heart of worship? So what would you say to a person who maybe isn't really feeling it and maybe doesn't want to sing? What would you say to a person? I know exactly how you feel, first <laughs> off. Uh, there, there's a lot of mornings, like I said, I'm a pretty stubborn guy, uh, where I'm, I'm not feeling it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to sing out. I'm not feeling grateful, um, being selfish. You know, and I'm not saying you're selfish, but here's, here's my experience with it. Um, when I'm having trouble expressing praise and giving, giving thanks to God in that way, Oftentimes, my focus is on something else, it, uh, whether it's on me or a circumstance or something. I, I, come into, I come into church, I come into my time with the Lord, bringing all this baggage with me, and that's clouding my view of him. That is stopping me from enjoying him, from expressing praise, because I'm putting all these things between me and him. And he's like, no, just come to me. And I'm like, yeah, but this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I encourage you. What, what it often takes with me is to get into a posture of worship, whether it is standing and just, you know what, I'm going to sing, I'm going to raise my hands in spite of the way I'm feeling, in spite of how it might look. And I'm amazed at how often God shows up in that. And before too long, my, my heart has caught up to the rest of me. Mm-hmm. And I've allowed my focus to be on Jesus and not all this other stuff. And so that act of obedience, that step, God steps towards me in those moments. And I encourage you guys to, to give that a shot. And sometimes when things are, are really bad, and by, by things, I mean me, um, that's, I need to kind of separate myself, take a moment, and just enter into that quiet space with the Lord and really just intentionally bring things to the foot of the cross, bring things to the feet of Jesus and, and be like, Lord, I don't know what's going on with my head right now. I don't know where my heart is at. Would you show me? And just sit there in that. And so sometimes you need to separate yourself from this. Even in the middle of the service, if you just need to sit and spend some time with the Lord, that's fine. If you have complete freedom to do that. In fact, in the Old Testament, actually, no, Jesus says this, but he says if you're bringing your offering talking about, you know, offerings in the temple, sacrifices in the temple. He says, if you bring your sacrifice, but you have something against your brother or there's something amiss, just to widen the context, he's like, leave your offering there, go make it right, and then come back. And so in those times of worship, if you are stuck, there is something going on in your heart, there's, you're just completely feeling other and separated, leave it there, it's okay. Go spend that time with the Lord, go make whatever that thing is right, ask the Lord to show you 
He shows up in those times and then come back. Mm-hmm. Amen. Dylan, thank you so much. I am so glad I get to worship Jesus with you now, and I'm really glad I get to worship Jesus with you forever. So thank Thank you you. so much. (laughs) So we want to let the gospel, we want to let God's word help us cultivate a heart of worship to Jesus. So how would God's word help us? How would the gospel help us this morning and throughout the rest of our life? How could we cultivate a lifestyle of worship? Well, it starts by having the Lord Jesus at the very center of our lives. It starts, look at verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That means two things. We've said yes to Jesus, having first place. He's Lord. He's master. He's the greatest, the highest, the most glorious. Our greatest good on earth and our greatest joy in heaven is Jesus, kurios. And that we've said yes. We've taken into the center of our life that Jesus is Lord and Savior. He's Jesus, Yeshua, God saves. Now, have you taken into your life, at the very center of your heart, that Jesus is both Lord and Jesus? He's Lord and Savior. We say it's as simple as ABC. It begins when we admit the bad news. And the bad news about our worship is that too often our worship becomes ingrown and and inwardly focused. That was the first sin, was to look inward for wisdom rather than upward for wisdom. The first sin was to turn away from God as the greatest good and their, their greatest joy and to look to something, the tree of the garden of the knowledge of good and evil, for life. When we are willing to admit the bad news of the gospel, that that we all have a heart that tends to turn away from the Lord as the chief and greatest object of our worship. And then we believe that that Jesus has done everything necessary to reconcile us to God. He, He lived the life that we should have lived. Jesus lived a life of perfect worship. Worshiping publicly and privately, giving all of his life as an obedience to the Father in worship. That Jesus lived a life of worship for us. The gospel is is not that we worship Jesus. The gospel is that Jesus worships for us. He worships the Father, and he serves the Father. And then Jesus was willing to go to the cross. And on the cross, he suffered the just, full, and awful penalty that our sin deserves. God took our sin and put it on Jesus, and he punished him in our place. And Jesus died on the cross for us. And he rose again to show that the penalty really had been paid in full. And death was, vi- was made low. And victory was found in Jesus. And then we commit to Jesus as Savior and Lord. And we say, Jesus, I can't believe what you've done for me. 
Jesus, come into my life. You have first place. And that is the very beginning of a lifestyle of worship that we, whatever we do in word or deed, we do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That everything in my life is intended to demonstrate the greatness and glory of the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done for me. So we take Christ into the center of our lives. That's where worship starts. We cultivate a lifestyle of worship by, by having Jesus as Savior and Lord. Do you? Then we add to that our gratitude. Because when grace, God's ill-deserved favor toward us, when grace moves in, gratitude goes up. When you receive an unimaginably valuable gift, what do you say? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your indescribable gift of salvation towards me. Thankfulness to God, verse 17. Giving thanks through him to God the Father, verse 16. Singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That in the gospel, we have someone to thank. God. God's done the work. And we say, praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Spirit. What a horrible thing to come to the end of your life and have no one to praise. But in Christ, you always have someone to praise. Jesus is always worthy of our worship. And in the inspired praise book, the book of Psalms, 63 times in the book of Psalms, you'll find the word give thanks or thank or thanking. The pattern all through the book of Psalms in, in times of great joy and in times of horrible sorrow, the pattern is one of constant thanksgiving. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Son. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The Hebrew word for, for thank is the word yada. It's the word for praise. Praise and thanksgiving go together. You can't thank God without praising Him. And all of our praise would grow and grow and grow if, if our hearts overflowed with thankfulness as we're aware of the grace of God found in Jesus. So we cultivate a heart of worship. First, by having Christ at the center of our life. Then, overflowing with thankfulness to Him and gratitude. And then third, by committing to do a life of worship together. One anothering. Verse 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within y'all. I taught you that last week. With all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When you're here on a Sunday morning for corporate worship, it matters. You're needed in the body of Christ because without your gift brought for the one anothering of the body, something's missing. So you matter. You matter when you're here. It's good. 
It's better when you're here. Because you have a part to play in the body of Christ. You have a song to sing. You have something to thank God for. You have a teaching. You have an admonishment. Your presence here in the body matters. You're missed when you're not here. We gather together because we're needed in the body of Christ We need one another, and every single one of us. When I come, and my heart is sad, and I hear Dylan, or Emma, or Melissa, or Jeff, one of the worship team, giving it their all in worship, my heart is lifted, and my mouth gets involved. And when my heart catches up to my mouth, thanksgiving and praise results. When I show up on a Sunday morning and I see people taking great care of kids so that their parents can hear the Bible read and preached, it thrills my heart. You're needed in the body of Christ. And we need one another. So be here. Listen, imagine what could happen this week. Just think of this. What if tomorrow morning we all got up We all got up and we opened our Bibles and we read about Jesus and we spent time in private worship tomorrow on a Monday morning. We spent time reading something in the Bible that would help us see who Jesus is. And we just said, oh, Jesus, thank you. And we grabbed our prayer card and we prayed for VBS and we said, oh, Jesus, show up today. Show up today. And then on Tuesday, what if on Tuesday we, we, we went to a small group or, or we texted a friend and we just shared something that we had been learning in God's Word or, or we actually went to a small group and, and we opened Scripture together and we shared with one another what Jesus was meaning to us. Jesus would become more real to us and we'd make a big deal out of Him together. And what if on Wednesday, well, what if on Wednesday, do you know we live in one of the most beautiful places We live in St. Augustine, Florida. In 15 minutes, you can be at the beach and you can see the glory of the Atlantic Ocean and the creation that God has made. Or in 15 minutes, you could be at the river and you could see the beauty of the St. John's River. Or you could be in a local park and you could see the beauty of the trees and the grass and the birds and you could just say, thank you, Jesus. What if on Wednesday we we intentionally took just a few minutes to be outside in creation to say thank you to Jesus? What if on Thursday, what if on Thursday this week when we went to work and everybody else was dragging and it was the end of the week, what if we went to work on Thursday and we said, oh Jesus, thank you so much that you've given me hands to serve, you've given me feet to go into the marketplace Jesus, help me to honor and worship you through my work. And what if on Friday, what if on Friday we intentionally got together with our families and and we gathered together and we said, family, what did you learn about Jesus this week? And you listened to your kids talk about what they learned at Vacation Bible School and you ordered a pizza and you just chatted about Jesus and all he had shown them. And what if on Saturday, what if on Saturday we got ready for Sunday? We went to bed early and we made plans and we texted two or three people that we know and love and we invited them, we reminded them, come to worship at 10 o'clock tomorrow. 
What if on Saturday we got ready to worship and then on Sunday? What if on Sunday we got together at 10 o'clock and together we sang and we prayed and we gave and we heard about the greatness and the glory of Jesus? Let's do that. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would take the definition and, and the direction and, and the wisdom of your word and, and cultivate in us a heart of worship. Holy Spirit, fall afresh on us. Weak and weary, sometimes failing, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would stir afresh in us a heart of worship. Jesus, toenail our hearts to you. Toenail our hearts to the greatness of your grace that you lived and died and, and rose again for us. If the story of the gospel was real to you this morning in a new way, for the first time, if God, you sense that God's drawing you to himself, won't you say yes to Jesus? Won't you admit to him, Jesus, I've sinned against you in many ways, and I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe you lived and died and rose for me. Jesus, come into my life as Savior and Lord. Jesus, I commit to following you. Help me become the person you want me to be. And Jesus, as your followers, let us sing, let us say, let us share, let us go into this world with hearts set free to make a big deal about you. For I pray in your name. Amen.